Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the <laughs> dance floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like they're, like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. And I I apologize. What is your name? I don't know who you are, the host. Welcome in. I'm Steve Rosenblum. This is Saturday's Suckage. Let's find out who else is here. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man. Like, do we suck? Loya Menez. Hey, you guys not going to make anyway. You guys not suck. And he, when when I got traded the next day, oh, welcome to the sock team. Toby! Oh my God, this sucks! Random Bears fan. Terry Bars! Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Lim Hendricks! I wouldn't say seeking perfection, it's just mainly trying not to suck. Julie Swika. Man, that sucks. As suggested by the aforementioned baking artiste Julie Swika, please enjoy this musical interlude from Avenue Q. It sucks to be me. It sucks to be me. It sucks to be broken, unemployed, and turning 33. Wilson Contreras. Losing, losing shock. Julie, thank you, you so and, much. And for that's all I can that's say. That's all I can say, yeah. George Went. We had fun. Um, but there you go. I sucked. Garth Algar! Get it off, man! Get it off! It's sucking my will to live! Steve Dong! This guy sucks! This guy sucks! Candace Parker. Um, I mean, it sucks. Roquan Smith. Yeah, man. Sucks. Zach Levine. It sucks to have, have game one. DeMar DeRozan. You know, it just sucks. Mike Tomlin. It all sucks. It's not degrees of suck. Um, it all sucks. Josh Allen. Sucks. 
Losing sucks. Sucks. Robbie Triano. I suck. Yeah, you do. We all saw you try to dunk on your hey. tweeter machine. We'll get to that later. Yeah. I'm trying. Robbie sucks, so you don't have to. The great ear dunk project. Welcome to Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. Brought to you by your local Hyundai dealer. Phone number here at the score, 312-644-6767. That'll get you to our listener line, powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That number, 312-644-6767, also gets you to the score's tech zone. So this isn't exactly an extension of the legendary Saturday Suckage roll call, but... It sucks that Apollo Creed died. It sucks that Tony Snell did not get signed by an NBA team by yesterday's deadline, and his two sons on the autistic spectrum face difficulty. It sucks that Zach Levine is still hurt and can't be traded, most likely. It sucks that Connor Bedard is still hurt and can't help the Blackhawks score a goal this month. Sucks that Cody Bellinger is still not a Cub, and the Cubs are worse than last year as it stands now. It sucks that Pedro Grafol remains the manager of the White Sox, and Chris Getz is empowering Grafol's special brand of uselessness. But, but, Stevie Sunshine is here to tell you there's something that doesn't suck. It appears we have eliminated some likely irresponsible sports talk about Caleb Williams, the idea going all Elway and Eli Manning. And we eliminated it on this here radio station, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. You know the story. Perhaps it put blood in your urine for a couple days. Colin Cowherd said it on his radio show, and here it is. There's some concerns here that uh, dad's a little too involved. Now, dads are very, very involved in high school and college quarterbacking. So that's just part of the new world we live in. But I I still contend, you're going to think I'm nuts here. I do think it's possible that Washington trades up and Chicago allows Washington to trade up. Because Caleb and his group do not want to go to Chicago. He's from the D.C. area. I think Dan Quinn is considered... The big concern for Caleb Williams, and you have to admit this, where you land matters. Chicago has never developed a star quarterback. That was Colin Cowherd on his radio show, and he's saying it, he, Caleb Williams and his family do not want to go to Chicago. Well, why? And is it true? And where did this come from? And who are you? They put ketchup on their hot dogs. Yes. Yeah. Maybe Chicago is too close to South Bend, where Williams sucked out loud, by the way. But then it turns out that Colin Cowherd walked back his statements about that idea and Williams and the presumptive number one pick. And he did it on this radio show. Cowherd was a guest on the Parkinson Spiegel show yesterday. I will bring you the full interview later on the show. But for now, give this a listen. Well, first of all, I had said about eight, nine weeks ago, and again, yesterday it wasn't a segment. I just, it was, I think it was a herdline news, and I said something. But one of the things I had said is don't be surprised if teams don't make an offer to Chicago. And the reason I didn't form a big opinion is because when I had heard it eight or nine weeks ago, it was right after the season. 
remember when the story came out, I think it was right after the season, when it was like Caleb's dad, he wants to restructure contracts. Mm-hmm. They don't want it. And I made one call, and it was like, that's nonsense. So, and then it was around that call, that time, that I heard like, you know, they got some misgivings about Chicago. This, it's, is Ibra Flew's going to be there? It, I'm not sure if we knew at the time. I think we did. We may not have. So I got a lot of different things at the time. And I think I may have mentioned it. There's some concerns. And then I didn't form anything on it because it was just sort of a, you know, kind of a feeling. And so yesterday when I said it, I said, yeah, kind of, there's a little anti-Chicago. And it may have been too hot because they don't want to be painted as that. Caleb doesn't want to be a villain. He, 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 like he's, he knows there's no perfect spot to land. And so they were selling me last night, hey, there's a lot of good things about Chicago. Yeah, I was also told nine weeks ago, they got concerns about Chicago. I think both are true. Mm-hmm. There's nothing definitive. There is no perfect spot. Well, don't act like you're reporting it as fact that Caleb Williams' family is whispering in your ear saying, we don't want to go to Chicago. So anyways, I guess we're back to where we were, right? With the Bears taking a quarterback at number one, if you read Brad Biggs from the Senior Bowl, his 10 thoughts or all of his thoughts on chicagotribune.com, you're allowed to read it today. I encourage that. They got to take a quarterback. He pulled five general managers. They got to take a quarterback. They got to take a quarterback. Last year, not so much. This year, they got to take a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback. So that's where we are. Taking a quarterback at number one and likely trading fields. Now, I lobbied last week, and I still stand by it. I will continue lobbying for taking Williams number one and keeping Justin Fields. And you go, oh, my God, what are they going to do? And I, Well, here's what they're going to do. They're going to use Tyson Bajan as the number two quarterback. Williams is going to be the number three. I'm going to say, just sit and watch, kid, and learn and tell your dad it worked for Patrick Mahomes and it worked for Jordan Love and it worked for Aaron Rodgers and pipe down Mr. Williams. Okay. You know, but the the idea of trading for fields has led to such loud revulsion by the field stands the people in in favor of keeping him, and it seems, it sounds like part of it is out of fear. Now, some of it is being amazed by what a wonderful runner he is in a passing league and not seeing how those dots connect, don't connect. <clears throat> but when you're blinded by your love of Justin Fields, you're going to see what you want and imagine that, oh, my God, look how he can run. Don't pay no attention to the fact that he's not accurate that he's a ball security nightmare. He doesn't look anything like what you've seen in the playoffs by quarterbacks who take their teams to the playoffs. Heck, by quarterbacks who have winning seasons. Doesn't look like that. And the other part is out of fear, these field stands, that he's going to go someplace else and be a star. You're more likely to get a star quarterback at number one than you are to have some cast-off. And Justin Fields would be a cast-off as soon as the Bears trade him, if that's what they do. If somebody goes on to be 
great. You're much more likely to find a 4,000-yard passer at number one than you are to find one at where Justin Fields is. He hasn't even gotten to three, has he? I haven't checked the record, but they're worried he's going to go be a star somewhere else. Somebody else will unlock him, and he'll be, they'll know the secrets. Let me, what you saw in the playoffs this year and last year, maybe it helps. Maybe look at it this way. Uh, He wasn't close to even 3,000. The most he had was this year, 2,562 passing yards. Well, look at that. And that's the guy who's going to be your savior, Fields, Stans. But what if it's like the Stafford-Goff trade? What if that's what happens? You trade Justin Fields wherever. You make up whatever you want. And if your field stands, you can put him in the best position possible. You can bring back the Bears the best thing possible. But look what happened. Matthew Stafford got traded for a guy, Justin Go- uh, Justin Goff, Jared Goff, got to the NFC Championship. Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl. He was great in Detroit. But it's like, wow, he's going to be Dan Pastorini. He's going to be hurt and broken and all these kind of lousy things. He's going to be a latter-day version of that. And he'll never – and, oh, he got traded – but he was he was great in Detroit. Justin Fields has not been great here. Jared Goff did get to a Super Bowl, did get to the playoffs again, did get to an NFC Championship game. He's miles ahead of Justin Fields. But he was still a guy viewed as a failed number one pick. But what if it's that kind of trade? Fields apologist, Fields stands. So what if he goes somewhere else? But it makes the Bears a winning team. That's okay. At some point, the Bears will be a winning team because they will have that quarterback. That seems to be where they're headed. It's okay to trade a guy who has never looked like a long-term passing quarterback in a passing league. It's okay. He can run all he wants, wherever he wants, I don't know that that'll ever make him more accurate. I don't know that that will cut him cut down on all the sacks. Maybe it will. Holding the ball too long. Fumbling. I mean, this guy fumbles a lot. Enough to challenge for the league lead. He fumbles a lot. And you like all his running. Just puts him against in the face of around more tacklers, more Defenders to knock the ball loose. That's the guy you're, you can't imagine the Bears trading. Let's say they do. Let's say it turns out to be somebody who gets you the Super Bowl or gives you the a bigger tool to get to the Super Bowl. Caleb Williams and his potential has a greater chance to get you the Super Bowl than Justin Fields right now. But I don't want to trade Justin Fields. I want him to stay here. I want him to quarterback next year because you got him. It's a good price. And the way the real teams do it, the way to alleviate, if there is any disillusionment, if there's any unhappiness, if there's a, if a, if there's a, a grain of truth to what Cal, Colin Cowherd said, and there must be some kind of realm, we go, oh, Chicago, they suck. Well, we tell you Chicago sucks as a quarterback town. We tell you they're a quarterback-challenged organization. 
So if Caleb Williams and his family say it or whisper it, shut up. Stop getting mad. It's true. At least give him credit for being able to recognize the obvious. And then let him sit. Let Justin Fields go through the fits and spurts of yet a new offensive coaching regime. Let him learn what it looks like to be in the NFL. Let Justin Fields do it for him. And say, look, see that that guy who's going to the Super Bowl? See that guy who's throwing the ball to Taylor Swift's boyfriend? And he's got a chance to win three, and he's a chance to go all Tom Brady? He sat for a year. See that guy who won the Super Bowl in Green Bay? He sat for three years. See that guy who's now quarterback in Green Bay? He sat for three years, too. And he went to the playoffs, and you didn't. And you have better tools, Justin Fields. But you, Caleb Williams, we're going to try to make you better. But you're going to be better off watching. That's how it goes. And if they trade Justin Fields without and make Caleb Williams the starter, you'll know it'll be the wrong decision because the Bears are making it. The only decision the Bears can make is the one that Green Bay made and the one that Kansas City made because it's not one the Bears make and stick to. They tried to make it with Trubisky, and they couldn't help themselves. My biggest fear, though, is that Bears fan, the second Justin Fields has a fumble or has that interception, you know what they're going to be chanting at Soldier Field. We want Caleb. They're yeah. just going to, and that's sure. that's the worry because the other quarterbacks you said, there was an Aaron Rodgers before Jordan Love. There was an Alex Smith before Mahomes. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm worried about, that as soon as Justin Fields fails, they're going to throw Caleb out there. No, they won't even wait for that before it happens. It, they'll be, they'll be. Half the city will want Caleb Williams. And why is Justin Fields still here? The other half will don't you know? He's he's going to be Joe Montana. He's going to be Tom Brady. Anyways, <clears throat> we will discuss this further because we have, what, 17 years to go before the Bears finally make that draft pick? So the Senior Bowl's getting Senior Bowl evaluations are done. The game means a lot, a lot less than what coaches watch them go through. There'll be the combine. There'll be all kinds of discussion. We will continue to have this discussion. Maybe that helps you, Fields Apologist. Maybe that, because I'm a pleaser, not a teaser. I'm just trying to make it easier on you. I'm here for your therapy, your football therapy, your quarterback therapy. I'm here to help you walk to the white light of sanity. Justin Fields ain't all that, pal. On today's show, let me tell you what's coming up. I'll talk to Hub at 11:25. Bears quarterbacks, yeah, but you know that ninth pick. Where do they go with that? What is that decision all about? At noon, Casey Johnson of NBC Sports Chicago will be here to talk NBA trade deadline and Tony Snell and why the Bulls should start referring to it as the Arturus Carnishivus no trade deadline. That's really what it should be. At one o'clock, Aaron Lemming of Windy City Gridiron will be here. To talk, yes, Bears, Bears quarterbacks, and puppies. And puppies. Oh, I love this. Puppies. You heard me. Puppies. Cultural Zeitgeist will feature a college class, a full semester of coursework, devoted to a college football coach and other nonsense and students getting money and a piece of legendary literature 
I read under a tree at a place that is about to be blown up. That's in the cultural zeitgeist. The Wake and Bake Club features items about, well, this is your Super Bowl menu. Pot-infused wing sauce and pot-infused soda pop. That's putting the Super and Super Bowl. It all, it, weed every day. It'll all work for you. All right, Saturday Suckage carries on. Hub Arkish is next. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Sucking so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio 6. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Company the score. Hi, my name is what? My name is My name is And I, I apologize. What is your name? I don't know who you are, the host. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. It's a common problem around here. That was Philly Jane. She doesn't know who I am. 847 texter, Bruce, colon, you are the only person on your station that gets it. And I, I, I apologize. What is your name? I don't know who you are, the host. Now, to be fair, the 847 texter said, send a second text in, Steve, colon, sorry. It's okay. You're forgiven. I, I just think it's great. It's perfect. It's a perfect melding of the Saturday suckage experience with the Wake and Bake Club. Any Wake and Baker checked in, said 262 texter, Wake and Bake Club thinks those pot-infused wings sound delicious. Yeah, sure. Talk about those later in the show. Welcome and welcome back. Saturday Suckage, I'm Steve Rosenblum. Joining me now on the guest hotline, the guest hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois, is Hub Arkish, senior NFL analyst for the score. And as I say, hello, Hub. Good Saturday morning to you. I understand Pro Football Weekly is doing has has now another avenue for people to learn about football. Share with the class. Well, thank you for the opportunity to tell people about that. Yes, we have launched uh, our new Pro Football Weekly TV podcast, and so it is myself and our buddies Dave Wanstead and Dan Hampton, and uh, uh, we've done the first two uh, issues so far. We won last week, one this week. And uh, if anyone uh, is interested, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. That's where you get these podcasts. And uh, we'd love to everybody join us. We're going to be doing it at least once a week, maybe two or three times a week as the offseason goes on. As you know, Steve, many, many years. There's a few, you're not as old as me, but there's very few people old enough to remember that we kind of invented independent draft analysis about uh, 50 years ago. And uh, nobody covers the draft like we do, and especially with the knowledge of Lonnie and Hamp. We're going to have a really good time with that and free agency and everything else. And uh, I hope everybody will sign up and join us. I would recommend it. And, yes, you did. There was a goal, a, a man who should be in the hall in Canton, Joel Bushbaum. I knew you'd know. <laughs> well, yeah, because but I want people to know, for whatever you know about Mel Kuyper's hair and, and every draft nick there is at first – before everyone, the man who never left his video room, his it was film back then. It was Joel Bushbaum. Share mm-hmm. with the class how you happened upon this this sort of 
tortured genius and his eight millimeter film machine. I love to, I love talking about Joel. I mean, and, and tortured genius is a great way to put it. Joel was a uh, high school uh, student in New York, and, and he was just fanatic about the NFL and particularly about who the best college football players were going to be. And so he just started covering it on his own. He started calling anybody who would pick up the phone, and he became a very close friend, and I think his best source was Bill Belichick. Uh, and this was after he'd been working for a while because he started before Bill. Um, but it was the connection with Bill uh, in the early 90s, really, that, that started to you know, really make people aware of who Joel Buxbaum was. And he, he could have been an NFL GM. He was that good. But he was also one of the, I don't want to say weird, because that's not necessarily a positive word, but one of the more different human beings you've ever met. And uh, a little guy, clearly not an athlete, uh, uh, nothing but football and his dog. That was his whole life. But I'll tell you what, he started identifying the top draft picks. And I'm not talking about just the number one overall pick. I'm talking about the six-rounders. In those days, the eighth-rounders, the tenth-rounders. And covering the draft became something nobody else had. And I think it was a huge part of what made Pro Football Weekly as big as it came. And, uh, you know, without Joel, it wouldn't have happened. So He invented uh, a know. language hub. He invented yeah. a lot of the language. <laughs> it has since been improved or extended or everybody. There, there are new words, new descriptions and, and whatever. But he, somebody had to invent the language for people like me to read. And he was the guy. Well, a lot of the older guys like Bill, uh, you know, will tell you that he helped to reform college scouting, you know, the way that he saw things in players. And that's why GMs and head coaches around the league would pick up the phone when Joel called. And, and uh, I agree with you. I, I, I thought about this a lot and there's nothing I can do about it. I think he should be in the NFL Hall of Fame, um, you know, and I don't think that will ever happen. I don't know that a media person belongs there. Uh, but if a first media person ever goes in, uh, it should be Joel. So do you think, do you remember in those early draft years, did the Pro Football Weekly draft guide, the genius there, have any kind of rundown on a linebacker named Carl Weathers? Uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, Carl was not a well thought, well, I shouldn't say well thought out. He was not a highly desired uh, recruit, uh, but uh, he was a good college football player who played, you know, a few years in the league and uh, eventually uh, decided that the movie business and, uh, you know, I guess making sports movies, but the movie business was better for him and turned into a pretty good career. Yeah, well, Apollo Creed, and he was in Predator and Happy Gilmore and The Mandalorian. <clears throat> yeah, Carl Weathers eventually made the right decision, but he's there on ProFootballReference.com. And there are just so many remarkable things about that I found anyways as a bit of a football nerd, football sports entertainment nerd like that. And <clears throat> he, w- he went to San Diego State, and he played two years in the league for the Oakland Raiders back when they were really the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And he he <clears throat> was rated the 13,592nd best football player overall since 1960, according to Pro Football Reference. And he went to the playoffs with the Raiders. He played seven games. It looks like he got hurt, came back the following year. So in in the playoffs in 1970, he was part of a Raiders team that beat Don Shula's Miami Dolphins 21-14 and then lost to Don McCafferty's Colts, the team Don Shula left, lost 27-17 to those Colts that eventually would win the Super Bowl on a kick by Lassie. 
<laughs> on a kick by Jim O'Brien, who had long hair and was called Lassie by all the short-haired football guys. You know, what I'm going to have to do now is go downstairs in, in the storing room. I've got all the old books and everything down there. I've got to find, I think it was, what was it, 70 or 69 or 71, something, something like that. i got to find uh, the original uh, Joel Buxbaum report on Williams and, and see, you know, what he had on him. But, you know, he, he had a, a short career there. And the other thing that I didn't realize until last night when I started, you know, following a lot of this coverage is that one of the reasons that his career didn't go far in the NFL, you know, is that he was only 5'10". You know, watching those Rocky movies, I just assumed he was a bigger guy than that. And, and he, was, he was too small for the NFL, but he was big enough, uh, you know, to be a star in the Rocky movies. Yeah, because Sylvester Stallone was even, st- even smaller, so it worked out mm-hmm. great. So we'll talk about actual football draft, and <laughs> as the if we can sidestep the number one pick for the moment, I, we can come back to the quarterback thing. But the number the ninth overall pick, as you see whatever may have come out, both discussion and activity at the soup at the Senior Bowl, and whatever may happen in the medicals and the individual interviews at the combine, those are the two most important things. What would you expect? What do you recommend? What is the best thing the Bears could do with that number nine pick, which may allow them to either draft the best football player at a specific position or acquire draft picks and and build up more draft capital? What, What do you recommend? What do you think? Well, I, I have always been a believer that no matter what pick it is, whether it's the first or the ninth or the, or the fifth round, you draft the highest player on your board at that point. If you're always drafting who you believe will be the best football players, that's how you eventually build a championship roster. Now, obviously, not every team can do that. You know, when you've got a, a Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to – you might draft a quarterback in the fifth or sixth round, you know, but you're not going to do that with the ninth pick. Um, you know, but looking at where the Bears are at now, I think the key, you know, really, Steve, is do they keep that number one overall pick and use it on Caleb Williams or maybe trade me? I don't know. Um, or do they trade it? I think after the success they had trading the pick last year and knowing that there are at least, you know, three or four and probably five or six pretty decent NFL quarterbacks in this draft to not trade that pick again when they still need to add so much more talent to get to that next level. I think would be crazy. And I, maybe that's why you're asking about number nine, but I know in this draft beyond being supposedly a very good quarterback draft, it is an outstanding wide receiver draft. And, and I think there's a very good chance if they don't end up, you know, trading number one down to three and getting, you know, uh, the kid from Ohio state or something like that. I think there's a very good chance that the best player on the board will be a wide receiver. And if they haven't already taken one, uh, you know, that's where I would look. Wide receiver. Pass rusher, they need somebody, they need more there. And you could argue, I don't know whether you'd put center or left tackle ahead of pass rusher or whether you'd put center ahead of left tackle, left tackle ahead of center. How would you rate those needs? You know, Steve, I don't think they have a huge need at left tackle. I I keep hearing people talk about that. and, And, you know, I think it's just because top 10 picks are often left tackles that maybe is part of it. But, you know, you have to remember that their left tackle, even though he was a fifth-round pick, was on the all-rookie team as a rookie and was playing, you know, fairly well until he got hurt. And then he missed five or six weeks. And then he came back and was recovering from injury. I'm not saying that you can't do better, 
But the Bears aren't in a can't-do-better position right now. They've got to get top starting players, and they have so much bigger needs than left tackle that that's not where I would go. But uh, left tackle, or at least tackle if not left tackle, is another one of the really strong positions for this first round. And so taking a tackle at number nine, depending on which one it is, wouldn't be a bad idea at all. Um, I think looking at it that, you know, pass rusher and, you know, the other thing, see, we don't know what they're going to do in free agency yet. They've got a bunch of room in free agency, not as much as they had last year. Uh, but I think they're still like fifth or sixth in, in, in room on the, on, the, on the, you know, with money. And so, you know, they may get another Montoya sweat. They, they may say we want a veteran we know can play. But uh, much like wide receiver, tackle, quarterback are really good positions in this draft, this is one of the weaker groups uh, of pass rushers that we've seen in recent years. Now, there's a couple worthy of top ten picks, um, you know, uh, and particularly with the, you know, the games going on this weekend, the, the, I call them games, but, you know, they're evaluating students there. Uh, they're finding out more about these guys. So, you know, I think that it's just so hard to talk about number nine until we figure out what they do with number one. If they take Caleb Williams at number one, then I think you probably have to take a wide receiver at number nine um, or next up would be another pass rusher because I really like Montez Sweat a lot, but you got to have two, you know, and Montez Sweat gets that much better if you add another player of his ability you know, to play with him. Before you get to the draft on the Pro Football Weekly podcast, you must have Dan Hampton tell his story about draft day. (laughs) It is outstanding. I don't want to tell it on the air. I'm sure you've heard it. Hamp tells it so with such characteristic hampness and detail that it would be terrific for listeners to hear what he went through back when, in fact, it was in a day when kids, your your phones back then were not televisions and they were rotary dials. They may not have even had push buttons. And that's what Hamp was dealing with. I think you got to have him tell it at some point, Hub. One of the things we've learned, and I only keep talking about my podcast, but one of the things we've learned in the first two weeks is that the best thing about this podcast is just going to be Wani and Hamp telling stories. Uh, you <laughs> yes. Mean, Oh, I mean, we we did the podcast uh, yesterday. It's out now, and a couple of the stories they both had to tell, and, and it's 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 fun stuff, but it's also football stuff. And uh, but I will tell you I, because I'm writing the uh, layout for the rundown uh, after we get off the air. The first thing on the list will be Hamp's draft story because now I I, I, I kind of remember some of it, but I don't remember all of it. So I'll make sure he tells it to everybody. Well, that's even better because then you'll get a, you'll you, the podcast will get an authentic response from you and from Wani, and Hamp tells it beautifully. So that's it. That's what you people have to look forward to on the Pro Football Weekly podcast, and uh, it'll be Habarkish and Dan Hampton, and and we'll op. He's got a podcast. Dave wants there. Hub, thanks for your time. Always great. Thank you. All right, Steve. Great to talk to you. Talk to you next week. All right. That's Avarkish, senior NFL analyst on the score. And I want to encourage you, this broadcast note, I want to encourage you. This is a once in a lifetime because this is the only time we've done this. Join 670 The Score and Circus Sports Illinois for the big game party on Sunday, February 11th at Benchmark in Old Town. Mully and Haw, Bernstein, Holmes and Rahimi, and Parkins and Spiegel, all of them 
We'll be broadcasting live from 12 to 3 p.m., getting you ready for the big game between Kansas City and San Francisco. You must have at least $100 in your Circa Sports Illinois app to attend. Doors open at noon. There will be live entertainment and complimentary game day bites. Go to circusports.com, sign up for your invite, and more information. So I'm Steve Rosenblum with Saturday Suckage. And we're going to take a break. When I come back, it sucks that Apollo Creed died. But there's something really touching that came out of it. Oh, and by the way, you're never going to go an hour without some Taylor Swift news. So I'll have that too. I know you can't wait. Where's the texture here? Oh, there it is. 630 texture. Every Saturday, my lovely wife hears your voice and says, so how long are we going to be listening to that every Saturday? Well, it's Saturday Suckage. That's what we're here. Tell your wife, thank you for being one of our fellow suckageers. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Think about the fight. Think about the fight. Trevor Langdon, he's trying to hurt you, Rock. He's trying to hurt you. Okay, here he comes. Jeff, he's Jeff. He's Jeff. He's trying to hurt you. Saturday suckage on 670 the score in Odyssey Station. Apollo Creed. My rock, there is there tomorrow. Carl Weathers, the actor who portrayed Apollo Creed, passed away yesterday at 76 years old. His family said he died peacefully. No cause of death was revealed. At least I haven't seen it yet. And what a role. Now, this is a guy who's filmography is pretty impressive. There's some guys we've, we've often used as a gold standard. John Cazale would be the guy. If you're only going to make five films and Godfather one is one of them. And Godfather two is another one and dog day afternoon. And John Cazale not only did, I can't think, was he in the conversation too? With Gene Hackman, but he did five films and passed away. And his girlfriend at the time was Meryl Streep. That's who he lived with. John Cazale was, that's that's a Hall of Fame career. That's the Gale Sayers. Short career, but great. That's a Sandy Koufax thing. Um, <clears throat> Apollo Creed was one role. He was in Happy Gilmore, of course, because what could be more opposite than Happy Gilmore? And he was in Predator with Arnold. Arnold. And he was in The Mandalorian. It's a remarkable thing. And he was in the NFL. Yes, Carl Weathers played in the NFL. We talked about with Hub. Two years with the Raiders. And he played in the playoffs. Came up a game short of the Super Bowl. Lost to the eventual champions, Baltimore Colts. And found more action Jackson in Hollywood. And that's the way he went about his career. And basically in Rocky, you know, he was, he was Muhammad Ali. He was every bit Muhammad Ali. And then when Sylvester Stallone won the Oscar, 
who comes on stage but Muhammad Ali. It's a classic thing on the, on the go to the YouTube machine. You can find it. Stallone. But here's something I want to bring you from Stallone. Upon Apollo Creed's passing, Carl Weathers' passing. Now, Arnold sent out a tweet about not only was Carl Weathers great in Predator, but he was great on the set. He was a great actor, a wonderful person, wonderful human being, a wonderful teammate, essentially. What Sylvester Stallone, I'll set the scene for this. We're going to play his tribute to Carl Weathers. He is in, I believe it's his, I don't want to say it's a basement. They don't really have those in L.A. I think he's in L.A. But a massive, you know, the Stallone room, the Digme room. And there is a Leroy Neiman painting, a massive Neiman painting of Rocky and Apollo Creed. And that is behind him as he stands at the bar and he delivers this. Hello, everyone. Today is an incredibly sad day for me. I mean, I'm so torn up, I can't even tell you. I'm just trying to hold it in because Carl Weathers was such an integral part of my life, my success, everything about it. I, I give him incredible credit and kudos because when he walked into that room and I saw him for the first time, I saw greatness, but I didn't realize how great. I never could have accomplished what we did with Rocky without him. He was absolutely brilliant. His voice, his size, his power, his athletic ability, but more importantly, his heart, his soul. It's, it, it's a horrible loss. And I'm standing here in front of this painting because it was probably the last moment we were ever in the ring together and I'll never forget it. He was magic. And I was so fortunate to be part of his life. So, Apollo, keep punching. It's not gonna be a rematch. I don't want one. It was great. I mean, it was just wonderful. It was, you knew, you bought, I bought into all the schlock. I don't know about you, but I bought into, I bought into all the schlock. It, it was wonderful. John Cazale was also in Deer Hunter. There you go. Thank you, 847 Texter. I knew he had just a string of hits. 773 Texter, Action Jackson was one of the first movies to star an African-American athlete in an action movie. There you go. And another 630 Texter, as I was reading about the 630, I read one about 630 Texter, whose wife said, how long are we going to listen to that? And she says it every Saturday. So yet another 630 texter texted in. My wife heard the 630 texter's comment and is still laughing. Forward him my number. We need to make dinner reservations for four. <laughs> That's so good. 312-644-6767 is the text line. And this update of, because you can't go an hour without Taylor Swift Super Bowl news, it required an embassy's intervention to calm the Swifties. The Japanese embassy released a statement about her prospective travel plans because everyone's worried. Well, all the Swifties are worried. How's she going to get from Japan to Las Vegas, right? She's her era's tour. And then she's got to go 
make that flight. She got a private jet. She's got to make the flight. And then, and then she's after that. <clears throat> she's supposed to go to Af- uh, Australia. Good luck with that. But the whole issue and the Swifties wondering, how's this going to work? And will she be at the Super Bowl in Vegas? The embassy in Japan, the Japanese embassy in Washington, put out a statement Friday, easing, hopefully easing, the concerns of fans wondering of Taylor Swift. This is the Japanese embassy. And the statement said, despite the 12-hour flight and 17-hour time difference, the embassy can confidently speak now to say that if she departs Tokyo in the evening after her concert, she should comfortably arrive in Las Vegas before the Super Bowl begins. End quote, the Japanese mission said in an apparent reference to this thing, singer's third studio album, Speak Now. Get it? Get it? Get it? Continuing with a reference to Swift's second studio album, I could not imagine Japanese, any embassy having this kind of sense of humor, but here we go. Quote, we know that many people in Japan are excited to experience Taylor Swift's Eras Tour, so we wanted to confirm that anyone concerned can be fearless in knowing that this talented performer can wow Japanese audiences and still make it to Las Vegas to support the Chiefs. Fearless, of course, is another part of the uh, Taylor Swift legend. So imagine you, Robbie Triano, let's say you're part of the Japanese mission in Washington, D.C. You're in the embassy. Would you ever imagine coming to work and channeling your inner Taylor Swift lyrics and albums and legacy in an official release. No, I, I would, I've never imagined that, but that's also the most famous thing that person is probably ever going to write uh, as a part of that embassy, which is amazing. Yes. And 773 Texture, I agree. They won't start the Super Bowl until she gets there. The NFL needs this. And if you were ever, if you are like me and you never met a conspiracy theory you didn't want to embrace, you betcha the assigning of a of last week's referee when the Chiefs were on the road and last week's referee's crew tends to call more penalties against the home team, favoring the road team. And look, at the road team got there. Taylor Swift's boyfriend got to the Super Bowl again, only this time with Taylor Swift, unlike last year. And you don't think the NFL is... See, here's the thing about NFL. Here's why you should believe every conspiracy involving the NFL. Even this outlandish stuff that involves Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey... Because NFL needs, wants money, loves money. The avarice is spectacular. Maybe never seen before. There's only 32 of them. They're all rich. They all think they invented everything. They think they invented money. They think they're the smartest guys in the room, even when all of them, or maybe especially when all of them are in the room, and they really aren't. The arrogance of NFL owners and the way the NFL macro thinks They think they could conspire to do anything that grows the brand and they would never get caught and it would never worry about their integrity. That's the way they go. So you have the Saturday suckage encouragement to believe every conspiracy theory. 
Make them up yourself. It's the game the whole family can play, much like counting. Boy, there's a shot game for the Super Bowl, isn't there? Taylor Swift shot the oh, shots. Take a shot a, for a shot. Yeah, uh, there's going to be a lot of drinking games on that. But if there were a Taylor Swift shot for shot, right? You take a shot every time you see a shot at Taylor Swift, the Super Bowl. You'd be on the floor by when? Third quarter, maybe second. Depends on how what. So halftime, you'd be useless after half. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. We'll take a break. And speaking of useless, we're going to talk about Arturis Karnishevis and his no-trade deadline because that's what happens. We'll talk with Casey Johnson, NBC Sports Chicago. Next, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.